Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Ephesians chapter 4. We are taking some time here on these Wednesdays to um, understand the order and honor that God gives God gives to the ministry gifts in the, the body of Christ, the fivefold ministry gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says that he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And, you know, one thing that we have to understand about God is if you're going to understand the kingdom capacity by which God works, then you have to understand that a kingdom has order to it. And God moves where order is honored. God moves where order is honored. And some of the greatest moves of God and what you and I might call chaos or what you and I might call crazy or what you and I may call, you know, out of sync, spontaneous, they began where the order that God places in the church and in the body of Christ and in the word of God is honored and valued. God cannot show himself in our life where we are following kingdom order and kingdom protocols. And again, you know, when we talk about kingdom to an Americanized democratic people where we have a vote, we have a say, if we don't like something, we just voice our opinion. If we can get enough people to rally with us, we can turn things over and there's great aspects to that, but that's not how the kingdom operates. And it can operate that way because your king has your best interest at heart at all times. There's never anything that God does for your punishment. There's never anything that God does to, uh, uh, you know, degrade you, to teach you a lesson, to demoralize you, to bring you low. He always does everything in his kingdom for your benefit, to prosper you, to grow you, to develop you. Even God's correction, even when God has to come and tweak things, it's for your benefit. It's not for your destruction. It's not because uh, you haven't been measuring up, so I'm going to show you who I really am. And you're, you know, So submitting to his kingdom order ought to be easy for us. Submitting to his kingdom way ought to be easy for us. But, of course, uh, you know, when our human flesh gets in the way and our human thinking and human ideologies get in the way, and one of the first things that gets... Um, you know, addressed or confronted, if you will, is where are we out of line with the order that God has established, out of line with the order God has placed. And you'll find that many times what the enemy will use uh, as a weapon, if you will, against the church, remember, the weapon cannot be formed, it will be formed, but it cannot prosper. No weapon formed will prosper from the outside in. So how does the enemy work? From the inside out. And so many times uh, where the enemy is doing his greatest work is within the churches where we get out of alignment and we have justifiable reasons and we have 
uh, our own, um, you know, purposes and motivations for why we won't follow the order that God has established within the church. And now we're playing on the devil's playing field. Now we're playing right into his hand. Now we are giving ourselves over to the uh, divisive and uh, discord tactics of the enemy. Is that making sense? That the enemy's working from the inside out and where he wants to show up is he wants to disrupt the order. We read last week, and we'll read again here, that it says that these gifts that I just mentioned in verse 11, verse 12 says several things. First, that it's given, these gifts are given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. They're given for the building up of the body of Christ. They're given so uh, that we can attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. They're given so that we can become mature and measure to the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. They're given so that we will no longer be children, immature, tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. They're given so that we will learn how to speak the truth in love They're given so that we will grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, whom the whole body being fitted and held together, they're given so that every joint brings a supply. They're given so that uh, uh, it will cause the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Verses 12 through 16 are the reason, the purpose, if you will, that the five ministry gifts exist. So we said this, if we disregard uh, God's kingdom order with these five ministry gifts, if we don't properly assign value and honor to the gifts um, as we ought to, um, if we tend to appreciate or honor one gift over another, Um, If we disregard their value and say, well, they're really just people just like I am. Um, If we disregard and honor and dishonor and devalue these ministry gifts, the opposite of everything I just read is what we can expect to take place in the body of Christ. We won't grow to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. We won't achieve a unity of the faith. We'll continue to see believers immature tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We won't be joined and knit together. We won't see every member bringing its share or bringing its part in participation. We won't see the growth of the body of itself in love. We won't see believers speaking the truth in love. We'll either have believers that are all truth, no love, or all love and no truth. We can see the opposite of these things take place. And I took you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 last week and showed you that most of what we read in 12 through 16 was happening in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians altogether. But right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we saw the downfall of the church, the compromising of the body of Christ, the compromising of its efforts because, why? One was of Apollos. and Another was of Paul. There was dissensions. There was envies. There was bitterness. 
there was groups and cliques being formed one against the other. And so many of the things that I just read were on display right there in the first Corinthian church, not to mention the rampant sin that was taking place. Not, not to mention the chaotic spiritual services that they were having where everyone has a tongue, everyone has a song, everyone has a song. Isn't it interesting that in the midst of all these spiritual services that they were having, they, were, uh, they had adulteries being committed. They had people taking each other to court. There was strife, bitterness, and envy, yet everyone had a tongue. And everyone had a psalm. And everyone was, in fact, there was so much spiritual operation happening in these services. See, spiritual gifts don't make you a spiritual person. Spiritual gifts are not what make us spiritual people. Character. The fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. But now what happens is, is we see people operate in a gift, and then they lack in a fruit. And so we discount the gift. I remember I had someone one time that says, you know, I, I used to believe in that speaking in tongues stuff. I used to attend a spirit-filled church until I found out that half the people that were speaking in tongues and giving words and prophesying, you know, you'd see them out in regular life, and, and they were horrible people. And so I lost value for that. I said, if you can cuss out there and speak in tongues in here, then, then I don't want that. Now, that's a sad case, and I understand their grievance. But at the end of the day, it doesn't discredit the value for, being in, for speaking in tongues and being spirit-filled. It doesn't devalue the gift in a sense, but it does, that, that person, that individual one day will be held accountable. That you were operating in gifts without giving value for the fruit. You didn't have love, joy, and peace, but you had tongues, interpretation, gifts of miracles, working of miracles, gifts of faith, healings, and the whole bit. But yet you couldn't walk in love. You didn't operate with joy. You weren't carrying your life with peace. You didn't have faithfulness, goodness, self-control. You know, we, 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 we struggle as a people, both in the church and in the world, when we see leadership fail. It compromises a lot, and that's where the enemy attacks. You know, we talk about ministry gifts, and maybe some of y'all in this room, I know I have, have had poor experiences with church leadership. Maybe you, you've had an experience that, that maybe it ran you out of the church. You know, I, I know there's people all over this town, all over this country, but there are people in this town that have told themselves, oh, I won't darken the doors of a church again after what I've been through. And it's sad. It breaks my heart. Because I believe the local church is the most powerful thing on the planet. I believe it's the answer for a lost and dying world. I believe that it is the entity and the avenue through which God is bringing and manifesting his kingdom. And he's not doing anything in the earth aside from the local church. I thank God for parachurch organizations. I thank God for the Bible studies. I thank God for the groups. I thank God for the individuals. But man, if they're isolated and not with a local church and not tying this thing back to the local church, you're not a part of God's kingdom plan. You're just not. Everything he's doing, Matthew chapter 16 tells us, is being done through the church. The church has the keys of the kingdom. Not random, isolated believers that have found themselves separated. And I believe in this last day, revival in this end time move of God that we're on the cusp of ushering in, 
there's going to be a, a kingdom order restored. There's going to be an honor and a value restored. And I believe those that are hurt, those that are broken, those that have found themselves separated, they're going to find healing in the very place that they thought hurt them. I believe that. I believe they're going to find somebody that's going to do it right, somebody that's going to live holy, somebody that's going to align themselves with the kingdom of God. Because, see, when ministry gifts are in operation, they build the church, not platforms. A true ministry gift will build the church, not themselves. If all you know about the ministry gift is how much you can send in to get something in return, where their itinerary is going to be, all about them and who they are and all the accolades and all the stuff they've accomplished, you don't know the true ministry gift. A true ministry gift is when it's on display, you know, know more about their, what they're investing in than about them. So we, we've, we've got to restore a value and an honor, and, and I carry that weight. My wife and I carry that weight ever so carefully. Because I understand the value and the weight of a ministry gift. And if we slip up and if we fail, even though you know we're human, you know we can miss it just like anybody else, yet the word of God places a value and an honor on these gifts and on our responsibility to live to a certain standard. That's why there's just certain things I won't touch, whether it's a sin or not. It's not worth it to me. It's not worth it to me to have someone see me drinking something in a restaurant somewhere. Just not worth it. Whether it's the only one, the first one, the only sip, it doesn't matter. What you see could, ca what could, could cause you to stumble based upon just the responsibility and the weight in the back. But you see that the enemy's deteriorating even that today. The enemy wants to question every standard, wants us to question every uh, uh thing that we ought to follow. I know that we're not religious and legalistic, but the kingdom of God does have rules. There are boundaries in the kingdom of God. This is not a free reign kingdom, come as you go or come as you please and do as you please and go where you please and live as you please. It's the kingdom of God. There's freedom in the king. Man, there's a lot of boundaries in that freedom because the boundaries keep us safe. There's just certain things I'm commanded not to be associated with, and I don't want to be associated with. Because your life is at stake. But again, the enemy just wants us to live and question all these things and challenge all, is it really wrong? And can you, there's no reason why you can. And I see church leaders and I see churches opening doors to things that maybe the first door wasn't sinful, but the door behind it, so I'd rather just keep this door shut because I don't want to have to have a conversation about the next one. Y'all with me? So there are some things that, that, we've got, that we're going to have to do to restore the, 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 the value and the honor in these kingdom systems. Because if we don't, everything from 12 to 16 in Ephesians 4 gets compromised. And when that's compromised, when the church is compromised, our destiny is compromised. When our destiny is compromised, people are compromised. So we've got to understand 
the value of establishing this kingdom order. And I know a lot of pastors, a lot, a lot of ministry leaders, they have a hard time preaching on the ministry gifts because it, it might seem self-serving. This has nothing to do with me. This is about the gift. I'm not building myself up. I'm not giving, I'm not getting you to, to, to have feel sorry for us or do things for us. I'm helping you understand the, the role of the kingdom, the church in the kingdom, and how the different things being in their place allows us all to function and be effective and purposeful as God has called us. And God is aligning and restoring things in these last days. I believe we're gonna see the churches flooded with people that have found themselves isolated, found themselves disconnected, found themselves uh, out of alignment, found themselves uh, maybe even in the body. But you know as well as I do, if you have a disjointed member of the body, it's of no help. In fact, it hinders the whole body. Go ahead and pop a bone out of place real quick. Let's see how you do. Function becomes dysfunctional when something is disjointed. Sometimes you don't have to be separated. Sometimes a member of the body, in our physical body, gets so out of place that actually separating it from the body is the only think about that sometimes amputations have to occur but man if there's a way that we can get this thing back in alignment before we have to address cutting it off we want to do everything we can to get it back into alignment so that we don't have to cut off amen we want to do everything we can. God wants God is providing every opportunity. I told that to someone recently. You know, so and so's doing this, and, and you know, I don't know if that's a great representation of the church. And I said, Well, everything you're you're telling me about so and so is the very reason why we exist. Because we give every single person, regardless of where they're at in their walk with the Lord the greatest opportunity to achieve what God has called them to do. That is why we exist. So it sounds to me like that person's in the perfect place. Amen. That's why we exist. You see someone broken, you see someone hurting, you see a brother stumbling outside of this church, that should not be, man, I can't believe he goes to our church. I can't believe that he he would even come to Anchor Faith Church. He needs to go on down somewhere else. He, He doesn't even... No, that, that's the very reason why we exist, sir. That's the very reason why we have our doors open, ma'am, so that that kind of person can find the true life of God. And we're going to give them every single opportunity we can to find the life of God that you seem to have forgotten the forgiveness that God shed on your life, and now you can't pass it on to a brother or sister. Yeah, that's not going to work. That won't work. We got to follow the kingdom order and the kingdom agenda. We saw that when we understand how these gifts operate, that there is a differing. There is a difference. And, and probably probably next week, I'll, I'll just quickly, not, not going to spend a lot of time like I did with the gifts of the Spirit, where we spent like a week on each one. Probably just take one Wednesday, and we'll just dive into all five gifts and just give you quick breakdowns. 
Remember, when we teach these things and when we set them apart for, the, for a point of teaching, we have to remember that it doesn't take away the value of one or another. Remember when we taught gifts of the Spirit? That that wasn't our time to say, ooh, I really like that gift. I'm not really, I don't know how I am with tongues interpretation, but I really like prophecy. That's not our time to pick and choose. We got to understand they're all on the same level and they're all necessary. But we as, as, as people, our human uh, uh, thinking starts jumping into place like, ooh, I really like that. Ooh, that sounds like me. Because God's wired you different. God's wired us all different. Amen? Some of us like the bold, uh, you know, in-your-face, loud preaching. And some of us like the teachers that are just line upon line and, and, and just, man, just give it to me straight. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we've got to understand the value and the importance for all of them. And understand that at times you might engage an environment within the church that might be a little bit out of, you know, I, I don't know about that. It's not really my fancy, not really my thing, but you can still receive from it. I always set myself that no matter what I'm doing or where I'm going or what I'm a part of, that I'm receiving. I don't ever want to be in an environment, regardless of what I agree with, regardless of what denomination it is, regardless of who they are, regardless of what their background is. We, we've created this celebrity-like aura around a lot of ministers today, and, and there's like a select few of big-name celebrity pastors like, man, you know, if that person's in town, I'm going there. If that person's speaking, I'm going to listen to that. If you, if that person writes a book and releases it, then I'm reading it. But, but, but you know what? I bet you there are a lot of people just like me all over this country that are preaching the pure, uncompromised word of God. And they're not blasting it on radio stations and TV. They're not all over social media. I haven't even written a book yet. And I've got like 18 people that are ready to like kill me for it. When you're writing that book, Pastor, when you're writing that book, I've got books. I've got them lined up. They're in my iPad. They're sitting here in notes. And I just, I haven't sat down to do it yet. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm not, I, I have not gotten to where I'm at today by chasing anything. And I'm not going anywhere by chasing anything. Now, when God commands and directs, I mean, Pastor Earl told me himself, he said, you'll have this book done by the, by the end of the year. And that was last year. And I did not have it done. I did not. And I'm still waiting for him to ask me about it because I'm going to be like, sorry, Pastor, I ain't got nothing for you. I got my notes. That's all I got. I'm sure there's a way to do that. Get a ghostwriter or get, get somebody to take my notes and my online messages and put them in book form. I can keep on doing them. I'm sure there's something out there I just haven't tapped into. But at the end of the day, if you want the book, I can direct you to the podcast. There's 12 weeks of it. You go listen to it. <laughs> You're going to listen to it in audible anyways. I already know you. I'll drive, I'll drive my car and listen to it, Pastor. Okay, whatever. I bet your highlighter works real well as you're driving. And yeah, I'm with you. No, we need to understand that there is a differing of these gifts. I want to go back over. Well, actually, let's do this real quick, right? Because you're already in Ephesians, right? You're there. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 up here on the screen in the Passion Translation. I just want to read through this and kind of clarify some things and then move back on. 
verse 11. And he has appointed some with grace. Now, again, just to drive this home, these gifts are set in place by God himself. Actually, specifically Jesus. And he gave, that's Jesus. If you go back to verse 10, it's talking about Jesus. And once he ascended to heaven, he gave some gifts. And these fivefold gifts were given to us directly by Jesus. Nobody enters ministry or ought to enter ministry because they feel like it, because they want to, because someone told them one day you're going to grow up and you're going to be in ministry. People can confirm a call, but it's God that calls. And ministry is a calling. This is not work. This is not occupation. This is not what I do for a living. And honestly, your occupation is no different than my occupation because what you do for a living is not what you do for a living. What you do for a living is you get to go into uh, spheres of influence in life and you get to be an influence for the kingdom of God and you get paid to do that. Isn't that awesome? You get paid to bring the kingdom to earth in the specific sphere that God has planted you in. So the next time you think about, I'm not getting paid enough, well, they can't pay you enough. You're far too valuable for anybody on this planet to ever pay you enough. It doesn't matter how much they give you, it's not going to be enough because you're, you're doing kingdom work. And it's God that supplies. Amen. The next time you think that, I, you know, I, I don't like this job, or I'm no good at it, or I don't like the people I work with, you know, all the things you complain about, just remind yourself, I'm doing kingdom work. And I'm not here for the vacation days, and I'm not here for the benefits, and I'm not here for the paycheck, and I'm not here for the bonuses, and I'm not here because I like my boss, because I like my coworkers. I'm doing kingdom work. Amen. Well, it's no different for those called to ministry. We're doing kingdom work. But this is not something you get into uh, because you feel like it, uh, because you want to, um, because, you know, mom or dad did ministry, so you're going to do ministry. Um, I knew at a very young age, I was about four or five years old, that that ministry is what I wanted to do. That wasn't just, you know, uh, you know, everybody write, every kid writes down a policeman, an astronaut, firefighter, and I was writing down pastor. I was writing down preacher. I've got paperwork to prove it. But that was placed in my heart. Not because some, my parents weren't in ministry. My parents, my parents were honestly barely saved when I was born and just started going to churches, just started living for God. They had just recently converted themselves and they got on fire for God and they got in a a spirit filled church. And so I, you know, that's all I've ever known, but for them, it was still new to them. So there was no ministry, you know, in our family. Nobody in my family, uh, you know, had that. It was set in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I pursued that. And I didn't let me, let anything get me off of that. And then I had people speak into my life as I was growing up that would confirm that word. And, and, and you know, we see the hand of God. And see, when I give a, a, give a word or I speak that over someone, uh, even as a pastor, I'm not doing that on my own accord. I'm always very careful to share that. I I believe you got a call to ministry. I'm very careful to say that. That's not just something that I just spit out because I've got to know that I know because if if that's the case, I'm the second person to to tell them that. 
The Holy Spirit's the first one. I'm just coming in and confirming. You know, that happened with Paul and Barnabas. The word came that we're setting them apart. From, but, but the word first came to them by God, then through a prophetic word. So we see that uh, he has appointed, God has appointed through Jesus, some with the grace to be apostles, grace to be prophets, grace to be evangelists, grace to be pastors, and grace to be teachers. You got to understand that these callings demand a grace to operate in them. There is no natural way you can fully perform these offices and these ministries, just naturally speaking. There has to be a spiritual grace that is pulled on. And I'm speaking from experience and, and very short experience to, to, to a lot of people, but everybody that I know that is in ministry doing these offices operating in these areas, they're operating in a grace, period. You cannot, uh, you know, man is always trying to find a way to do things naturally that God has required us to do spiritually, but you cannot fully fulfill the function of these roles and these offices without a grace on your life to do it. It goes on to say, uh, and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So again, reinforcing that it's not the fivefold offices or the fivefold ministry gifts that are doing the work while the believers spectate and sit around and watch. But our efforts are to strengthen you to actually do the work of the ministry. That doesn't mean that I am not uh, capable or responsible for living my faith out and for witnessing and for inviting and for living the kingdom life. Obviously, got to lead by example. But I'll be honest, there ought to be more people healed, saved, delivered, set free, ministered to, outside of these walls than in the walls. I'll say something that might be a little controversial, but that's okay. We're here to learn. But this is not the environment where the lost are to come and get saved. I've read the Bible and I don't see any instruction where it says the lost come to church. I see the instruction is for the church to go to the lost. So this then doesn't mean we won't get people born again. Doesn't mean we won't get people saved. Doesn't mean we won't minister to lost and dying and broken people and get them into the kingdom of God. But the, the efforts, our greatest efforts and the greatest emphasis here is to train up believers, build up the body so that we can send them out and they're doing the work of ministry in the highways, in the byways, in the streets, in the cubicles, on the ball fields, in the grocery lines. Y'all with me? Times like this when these storms come around and, you know, there's, there's always a call for the church to supply bottled water and supply housing and take care of this and take care of that. And those things are great. And, those, and, and any way that we can meet a physical, tangible need, we will. But I will not be reduced to a social service. We will not. 
Because those are the times where they call on the church. What are y'all doing? Let me tell you what I'm doing. I stayed up till 2 a.m. praying against that storm that it would deter and it would swing by. And it could have been way worse if it weren't for the prayers of holy, righteous people making much power available. But that ain't good enough. If I ain't handing out bottled water and sleeping bags, then I'm not doing the, the, the role of the church. You see what I'm saying? And then they want to shut you down in pandemics, but they want to call on you. Because the world is always wanting the, the, the church to fit into their box. The, the, the world is always, you don't even know the power of the church. You don't even know what would happen if we were sucked up out of here. The day we get raptured out of here, you're going to find out real quick what the church was holding back, pushing back, fighting against, standing against, speaking against, declaring against. You'll find out real quick because the church is holding back a lot of darkness. And you're going to wish we were here binding and loosening. You were making fun of us when we were speaking in tongues, but you're going to be wanting some tongue-talking people around when you find out how bad it can really get. I'm not saying that as a threat. I'm saying that as a recognition that the power of the church and our emphasis is spiritual, not just natural. Amen. And so it says that we're here, ministry gifts, to build up, nurture, and prepare. I like how he says that, nurture and prepare the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. Now, you know, with that, um, you know, there there have been, I haven't heard a lot of it these days, um, but in the past, uh, there has been talks of, you know, believers can grow to a point where we no longer need the fivefold ministry gifts. And I'm glad you're looking at me with that kind of face because that lets me know you don't know that and you don't believe that. But there are those that have preached and believed that that the, the church can get to a point uh, where you're no longer going to need these five full gifts because you can do your own ministry. So I don't need a pastor anymore because I can go do my own thing. And I don't need uh, these, uh, you know, leaders uh, and these gifts operating in my life. And poor, I mean, just go ahead and let you know, you're going to need these fivefold ministry gifts as long as we're on this planet until Jesus returns. Now, when Jesus returns, we won't need these gifts. We'll have Jesus. And Jesus is all five gifts. But right now, he has given these five gifts. Why? Because he's ascended to heaven. And he also goes on to tell us that we're going to need these fivefold gifts until we reach the unity of the faith. I don't know about you, but I think we still got some work to do. Amen? Still got some work to do in that arena. So we're going to, five full gifts are going to help nurture and prepare holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministers will function until we all attain oneness into the faith until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Perfect in this sense and and used in this term uh, is not meaning perfect like you never blow it and miss it. Perfect means mature. What that simply means is this. Um, Mature means I'm able to perform a function without constant direct oversight in my life. 
Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be like we just covered, that you're going to find yourself not needing oversight in your life. We're always going to remain accountable to someone and something. You're always going to have these elements in your life to a degree. But you know as well as I do that you have to monitor. I have a two-year-old and an 11-year-old, and I have to monitor my two-year-old much differently than I have to monitor my 11-year-old. Not much different, (laughs) but different. But you know, there's things now with Camden being the older one that I have to monitor with him that I don't have to monitor with Austin. So there's always still, as we're maturing and as we're growing, but Camden's able to perform some functions without my help. I don't have to put Camden's pants on him the way I have to put Austin's pants on him. Y'all with me? So what's he saying? As we're maturing, we learn as, a, as individual believers to be able to take on roles and take on functions without constant direct holding of the hand, babysitting, that now you're able to apply some things that uh, uh, you're not needing me to come along. You know, as you're an early believer, you might need me to stand in faith with you for healing and, and sickness. But you know what? You're going to mature to a point that, man, you're going to stand for your own healing and sickness. And then you're going to come to me with the testimony. Man, Pastor Mark, this past week I was feeling really bad on Tuesday, but man, I spoke to it and and I just kept on working, kept on driving on. And man, by the end of the day, I was relieved. I I felt full restoration. I I received my healing. Well, praise God. You know, Pastor Earl called it uh, uh, pocket pastors. Sometimes we we want to have pocket pastors. I just pull them out when I need them real quick. Well, you know what? My my goal, honestly, I, I, I'm not an insecure person. I'm not an insecure pastor. If you don't call me because your life is breaking down and you go to the Lord, you go straight to the throne room because you know who you are in Christ, you know how to get victory, man, I'm rejoicing with you. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Hello. That's what I want to hear. That's the growing and the perfecting of the saints. That's the, that's the maturing. So it's not perfect in a sense I never miss it. Perfect means mature, means I'm able to do some things in this stage of life that I wasn't able to do in a former stage of life. Does that make sense? Uh, he says, uh, as, as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These ministers will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, experience the fullness of what it means uh, to know the Son of God. Finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. Okay, that's what we just read. Let's keep going. Then our immaturity will end. Look at that. There is an expectation. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3? When I first came to you, I had to feed you with milk because you could not handle solid food. And then he says, and even now you can't. One translation says, by this time you ought to. What's that mean? That there is an expectation of maturing. There are no believers on this planet that can remain, should remain in an immature state. Should remain a baby Christian. Babes in Christ is what Peter called it. Babes in Christ. Only able to uh, 
tolerate the milk of the word, not able to get into the meat of the word. He says our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. False doctrines is not uh, ways of the world, ways of Satan, and ways of the kingdom. False doctrines is teaching that sounds like kingdom. You remember in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, it says that we should have our senses trained so that we can what? Discern between good and evil. Well, you know what? If good and evil was as blatant as we think it is, then we wouldn't need to be trained to discern. So apparently, they can look alike. But a mature believer can sniff it out. A mature believer can discern it. A mature believer can say, oh, wait a minute, something's off here. Not in an attitude of picking and choosing and, you know, let's see if they really get it right. But they are aware, made aware instantly. Nope, that, that doesn't register with my spirit. You'll be able to pick those things out on the inside. And you won't tolerate it. You won't sit around it. You won't live in it. Amen. Become like the Bereans, searching the scriptures so that we know that these things are true. Because what the enemy wants to do in these last days, he's already done and he'll continue to do it, is he wants to take truth and then sprinkle lies in it. Hide it in the truth. And we know truth is on trial. We know that that truth is challenged and truth is questioned. Well, we need these five ministry gifts. We need these five ministry gifts to help us discern the difference between good and evil. Immature cannot discern that they have their mouths open like babies. And then we are tossed to and fro. You ever been around a believer that, man, they're on one thing one one week, and then they're on another thing another week, and they're on another thing. And, and out of out of the goodness of their heart, out of, man, I'm hungry, but, but sometimes hungry people, they'll, they'll eat anything. <laughs> sometimes our hunger can get us in trouble. Sometimes our hunger keeps us from being as discerning as we ought to be, right? You don't know what's good for you at that point. But mature believers, they can sniff it out. They can say, wait a minute. Does this have the word in it? Is this the word? Is this grounded and founded? And and you'll find mature believers. One thing I love about Rama, one thing I love about Pastor Hagen and and Lynette Hagen is they are not jumping around trying to keep up with the Joneses. They are not following every little fad and every little uh, buzzword and every little thing uh, trying to keep up and trying to sound like. Those kind of ministers, I'll be honest, they scare me a little bit. When they're always trying to throw out something that connects with, with what's happening, they're, they're so aware, hyper aware of culture and what's happening in culture that they have to give those plugs because they feel like that helps them draw and keep a crowd. But man, Pat, I mean, he, he doesn't care. Pastor Hagen will tell you, I'm, I'm one of the most out of touch, uh, you know, irrelevant, so to speak. But the thing is, is the word of God is never irrelevant. It is the most relevant thing on the face of the planet. 
And his dad, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, said it all his life. Just stay with the word. Just stay with the word. You can't go wrong. Just stay with the word. And I watched them in moves of the spirit. Many of you did too. You watched them flow. You watched them respond. They were not compromised in the moves of the Spirit because they stayed with the Word. But you made sure everything can go back to the Word of God. I'm not trying to keep up with the latest fads, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'll just be honest. There's a lot of pastors and a lot of uh, preachers today that they're really nothing more than self-help gurus. If you listen to their messages, there's a little bit of word and a whole lot of psychology and how the mind works and how your emotions work and, and, and what, how you respond to this. And, and, and look, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, you know, in these last days, I don't have time to fill you with, with therapy sessions. We need the word of God. I don't have time to stay up here and, and, and uh, you know, just, just sugarcoat everything. I mean, sometimes we need the high intensity, high urgency, make a demand, make a pull. Hey, man, come up out of that. I've already told you that, you know, if you're going to minister to the spirit, it's going to offend the soul. But there's a lot of ministers that they want to coddle the soul and they're compromising the strengthening of the spirit. We are pastors. We will cry with you. We will weep with you. We will grieve with you. We will rejoice with you. We will get happy with you. But at the end of the day, we're going to come down and we're going to say, what's God saying? And how are we going to get through this situation? We're walking with the family right now and we're seeing victory in their lives with baby Oliver. And we're, they're on the verge of coming home now and, and a lot of great, I mean, he's off everything. He's off everything. Everything. He's off everything. They thought he might come home today. Hallelujah. They said because of the storm, they didn't want to let him go. Whatever. You know, I I don't know these things. I'm not a medical doctor, but I were rejoicing with them. And we were weeping. And you see some of those pictures, and man, it just breaks your heart, and you just want to get into an emotional ball of mess. But somebody's got to rise up and say, man, we're not taking this anymore. We know the truth of God's word. We know we can come through this. And you stand alongside those people. When they can't stand any longer, you carry them to the roof. Amen. Cut a hole and get them them before Jesus. So the immaturity will end, will not be easily shaken by trouble. We we saw a church two years ago, guys, that, that was just too easily shaken like the rest of the world was. We cannot be a pillar in support of truth if we're just as moved and shaken as the world is. We gotta be a pillar and a support, immovable, unshakable, nor led astray by novel teachings or false doctrines. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. I can tell you right now, you can recognize in believers when they haven't given themselves to the ministry gifts as they ought to, their love walk wanes. Their love walks. They become real hard. They become religious. They become hypocritical. They become very identifying of where other people blow it and miss it without looking in their own lives. You haven't submitted yourself to the fivefold ministry gifts as you ought to. 
Because when you, fa- when you stay submitted to the five-four ministry gifts, you remain solid in truth, but you remain soft in the heart. Remembering that these people, God loves them more than I do. God cares about them more than I do. When you, when you get disconnected from the ministry gifts, you become very harsh, very rigid, very religious. No, we got to keep our love walk, don't we? Yes, we do. Okay. All direction, all our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Again, we hear about that a lot. How can we build more community? How can we stay connected? I tell you, the greatest way to stay connected is to submit to a local church. I heard someone say it recently in another church, and I just liked the way that he put it because uh, he was doing some kind of little Q&A session thing, and somebody had asked, you know, does your church provide this, and does your church provide that, and does your church have ministry for this? And he says, the greatest way to be connected in our church is to serve. And we don't make outlets for people to connect to our church that don't want to invest. I just like the way he put that. Because everybody's looking for something that meets their fancy and meets their preference. But when we understand these callings, when you understand what church is really about, it's costly. It's costly. You know how many people Jesus turned away? You know how many people uh, approached him and said, we want to follow you, we want to be your disciple, that he turned away? In fact, when I look at the word, I don't see anyone that 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 he didn't directly have follow him, that he didn't go and approach and say, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. You were fishers of uh you were fishing for fish, now you'll become fishers of men. Discipleship is costly. You know, we 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 get asked a lot, will you disciple me? Will you mentor me? Will you will, I just really and I understand what they're saying. They're looking for accountability, they're looking for a leadership, they're looking for mentorship. But really, I'll be honest with you, what you're looking for is you're looking for a pastor. You're crying out for a pastor, a shepherd that watches over your souls, an overseer of your life. That's what you're hungry for. That's what you're searching for. And we get that a lot especially with individuals that have been in unhealthy churches, people that haven't been in church at all. They're looking for that connection. I'll be honest, what you're looking for is keep coming, keep hearing the word minister, get connected with other like-minded believers that are growing and, and doing life just like you, get submitted under accountability, find a place to serve, get plugged in, amen. You, you, you don't need an hour and a half at Chick-fil-A talking about scripture. You, you need a pastor and you need to get plugged into a local church. Is this okay? Y'all doing all right? There he goes talking about the church again. One of those pastors just getting everybody to come. And, no, I'm showing you in the word. We, we want to be disjointed, but we want all the attention to go to the disjointed member. No, let's get in alignment, and now you can become an effective, natural fit in the thing that God is playing. You're missing out on what God has put in place. God's got an answer for that. God's got a, God, God's got a solution for that. It's called the local church. 
Amen. So we want uh, to, to see this growth. We want to see the body closely joined together, constantly connected as one. But here it is. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. So just remember, in the local church, in the body of Christ, everything you want is going to cost you to put something in. But we live in a culture today that wants with no expense, wants with no cost, wants with nothing given in return. That that just doesn't follow kingdom order, doesn't follow the kingdom plan. The rich young ruler missed out on the greatest investment opportunity of his life. And he's a rich young ruler. He knows about investments. He knows how to make money. But he missed the greatest opportunity that if you go and sell all that you have, you will never lack for anything because you'll be following me and everything you need will come find you. That's a great investment plan, and he missed it. It was right in front of him. Let's finish this up. All these gifts, uh, and as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Again, this is all a result of the ministry gifts in operation, the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. And as they operate, you are built, you are strengthened. When we follow the kingdom order, when we honor God's protocols and systems, it is nothing but blessing. It's nothing but to our assurance that we will fulfill what God has called us to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.